when I was a kid. I wanted to be an actress and singer when I grew up. I'm bet you're surprised about that. And now I am a book group facilitator and educator. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Julie Goler. Julie is a leading book group facilitator in Los Angeles and has been featured in publication, publications such as Elle Magazine, The Hollywood Reporter, and The Beverly Hills Courier. Unlike other leaders, Julie regularly goes past the pages to bring the author to her groups in order to enhance her readers' exposure in the course of a regular meeting. Some of the best-selling authors she's worked with include Min Jin Lee, Lisa C., Kristen Hanna, Susan Orlean, Amor Tolls, and many, many more. A fellow for the National Endowment for the Humanities, Julie is also a fellow for the U.S. State Department Teacher for Global Classrooms program. She designed and spearheads the common book program called The Hero Project for the Beverly Hills Unified School District and regularly shares her expertise on the program with other secondary schools. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Julie. Thank you, Ben. So we always begin with a current curiosity, so something that's recently sparked our guest curiosity. For me, uh, in thinking about what you do today, I was thinking about speed reading because I was trying to grasp how you were able to read so many books. Mm -hmm. And I know you incorporate audiobooks as well, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. But I also thought about speed reading and I thought about my sixth grade English teacher speed read all of our essays. And I just didn't understand how, so I was looking into it and I still don't think I've grasped it. It seems like you have to move your eye in a certain way and catch certain words and you get the gist of things, but I haven't quite grasped it. But as I hope to read more books, it's something I've been experimenting with and thinking a little bit more about. So are you, you asking how I'm able to read so many books? Well, sure. We could, we could start with that and then I'll get to your current curiosity. Um, okay. No, I, I can get to my yeah. current... Nah, maybe I shouldn't. Let me, <laughs> let me st I, I can tell you how I read yeah. so much. Um, for me, a lot of it is um, I do a lot of Audible yeah. and I'll start a lot of my books on Audible and if it catches me within the first hour, then I get the book. If it doesn't, then I return the Audible or I don't finish the Audible, but it has to grab me within an hour. And um, then I can go through the book relatively quickly through reading. And I, I, I th lately, I've preferred to read on a Kindle. And um, we read, if you're a critic or if you're someone who's like a pre-reader like I am, somebody who drums up a lot of support for books, we'll get copies of NetGalleys, which are issued by the publisher before the book has been published. So I generally, I have books six months, eight months before it's actually published. Um, but if I go that route, then the Audible isn't out yet. Audible's mm. usually, um, right. so, so I don't, I don't actually read much in advance of a book coming out. Um, but the, the Audible thing is really, really helpful for me because I can multitask, listen, and then when I need to do the second read, my second read can be very quick on a Kindle. Or um, when I actually get to the book group, I'm, I'm using the book itself because it's easier to uh, refresh my memory with notes from the book. I, I did, I, I do what I did when you were my student. I still yeah. tab books with post-it notes, write notes on the post-it, and um, it helps me easily locate things when I'm talking to a group. 
I don't know if you still have them read the same things we read, but I think we read the Canterbury Tales. Yes, yes. very different. Yeah. The only thing that I've done with my book groups that I did with your sophomore honors English class is Tale of Two Cities. And uh, I, yeah. I stand by that book. It's yeah. a really great read for anyone. Yeah, definitely. So what's something that's recently captured your curiosity? Um, gosh, recently, I don't know. I'm I'm endlessly curious about everything. And, and I, I think since this is the awards season, my husband is in the Producers Guild. And we uh, have been making our way through the piles of screeners. And to any of your industry friends who are listening to this, I would say, Please stop sending us the stuff from Amazon and Netflix. We already have access to those. We I have never such understood a why they backlog. send us. But the other thing that I'm, I'm, you know, as somebody who's not in the industry, half of the links that we get don't work. Um, what I'm finding that I'm doing is we're going through these DVDs right now. And um, like we did 1917 two nights ago. And I wanted to read all about trench warfare and um i wanted to read about the uh, you'll probably remember the the um mendes sam mendes who was the director and i think the writer of the film as well i think it's, so i think he collaborated with someone yeah, but yeah. it was a really a big deal because they keep talking about single single camera point single point of camera yeah like birdman Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Um, I really liked the film a lot. And then I wanted to know more about 1917 and, and, and what happened that war uh, in that year. Um, we also watched Queen and Slim. And I think I told you that I went through this massive YouTube watching every interview that I could possibly find with uh, Lena Waithe. Is that mm -hmm. how you pronounce yep, her last right. name? Mm -hmm. I'm super impressed with her. And then I dovetailed from there to watch the Master of None episode where she was nominated for an Emmy. The Thanksgiving episode? Yeah. That's an incredible episode. Yeah. yeah. So right now I think that my, my journey is being very informed by what I'm seeing because of the season. But um, I'm pretty much always that way. I, I read something, I see a movie, and then I Google the hell out of it and um, go between YouTube podcasts and articles online about them. We're, we've missed a few of them. We're, we're just finishing up Just Mercy. So mm -hmm. I think. Did you read the book? Did not okay. read the book. Okay. Did not yeah. read the book, which is uh, probably surprising. But I will. Yeah. I'm sure. That seems like a book you might enjoy as well. It actually seems like a book we should do for the Hero Project. Yeah. I was right? going to say. Summer yeah. reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we can start with the Hero Project. I remember when I was in school, you chose Unbroken. Oh, was that your year? Yeah, that was you my year. You got the best year. That was a good one. We had Louis Zambrini. That was the best year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how did you how did you decide as an educator you want to create this project? Um, I have since since I began teaching in the '90s, I always wanted to expose my students to engaging speakers. And you were in my sophomore honors class, but the class where I did that the most was my regular ethnic literature class. I'm teaching a version of that this year, and if it's a regular senior class, you have a lot more liberty to read what you want to read, bring in who you want to bring in, expose. The, the kids are a little older, so they're more ready to um, to experience things in some ways but that year I had read Unbroken and I don't know you were in the group weren't you we went to El Cholo downtown didn't you come down with the, I, I took I a big remember. passel of kids downtown to El Cholo 
to the Louis Zamperini room where Louis was signing books. It was, um, it must have been a holiday weekend because my brother was home. He came down there. My dad came down. I had maybe 14 kids. Were, were you in Abigail's rem- class? I don't, I thought I was. Abigail Rothstein. Yeah. She definitely came down that. And oh, Lena, well. and Lena as well. Oh, I don't know. Lena Hebert. Yeah, I'm not, maybe I wasn't in that section. Yeah. I feel like I would have remembered if I were. So we I all went go. down yeah. there. I'd written this long letter to Louis and um, I could barely get close to him but his manager took the letter and it was imploring him to please come to speak to the kids at Beverly Hills High School I believe that I could get the entire school to read this book and um, he was pretty old then too it was kind of a commitment to, to get him yeah. to go somewhere yeah, yeah it was and he and he tired easily he died within a few years of speaking yeah. um, to to you guys but I heard from the manager maybe a week later and he said that Louis was willing to come speak to us and he had this very very high fee I think it was I I recall that it was like 20,000 and um, I talked him down I talked them down quite a bit and I I emphasized that while it is Beverly Hills High School we are in fact public school school and a I think a squarely middle class school and we wouldn't be able to do it but what I could promise is that I could expose his story to hundreds and hundreds of kids. So um, they they agreed to do it, but I couldn't immediately get administration to agree to do it. They actually were like, Louis, what, huh? And for some reason, it wasn't on the radar. And thank goodness, Jennifer... Tedford, who is now Jennifer Hahn, really pushed for it and um, got it to happen. And we brought in Louis. We brought in his manager. Um, I think his name was Jim Neighbor. He was a, an Olympic swimmer, and he talked for. I, I, he talked for. I want to say almost a class period. He was older, so he was tired, and he was just wonderful. And um, we filled up the entire auditorium. I feel like that was the, one of the last times that the auditorium was in use in that way. But we got a whole school to read. And so from there, I realized that if the if the book is compelling, if the speaker is compelling, kids will read. It's 100% about the quality of the book that we give kids. And then um, the added icing on the cake now is bringing the speaker, which is really fun for me. So um, I'm constantly, I'm generally looking for books that have a social action or a social justice component to them. We've gotten to a place where we do nonfiction exclusively. So this year we did Educated by Tara Westover. I think that was on Obama's reading list too, right? It was, and and it should have been. It was really wonderful. And then last year was another, I would say that was probably our second most successful book, and that was Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. We brought in, not Trevor Noah, but we did bring in a South African actor who talked about his work in um, pre-end of apartheid regime wow. and, and what he was doing. And it was great. It's, it was great. I'm constantly looking for what the next book is going to be. I'm very interested right now in our students um, learning refugee stories, given what's in the zeitgeist and in the right. news. And I want them to understand what the circumstances are for people who leave situations and put themselves in harm way to become refugees so that's kind of the type of book that i'm looking for right now with next year's uh readers so how did you how did you um convince students to to engage with books and really have a passion for something like let's say the canterbury tales which is can seem like a very distant piece of literature Mm -hmm. to millennials right now Mm -hmm. well i i 
I think that what I'm always trying to do with whatever I'm teaching is find the modern connection. I don't know if you remember that from my class. So if we're doing Wife of Bath's Tale and Canterbury Tales, and she's talking about her positions on women in the world and women in marriage, to bring that into the class. That's an opportunity for the kids to identify characters and quotes from the book, and then also to identify real social issues in the world where women are um, trapped or liberated by their circumstances. So I think that that's pretty much that that is my approach to literature all the time today. This year, I'm teaching seniors again. And we did Angela's Ashes and their final have you read it? No, it's just the most wonderful. It's it's in my top 10 of all times books. But in that book, there are issues that are explored like poverty, hunger, obviously, um, substance abuse, um, wealth inequality. There's a number of things that come up in the book that I'll make them do research on and understand from the book's perspective, then also to link them to real world problems today. So they had to, in their final presentation for Angela's Ashes, do a presentation where they pitched to a model UN situation, how this problem could be dealt with effectively. It was a great presentation and I was really proud of their work. So did you, have you found that your, what the approach you've taken to your students is similar to what people in your book groups are looking for? Or do you, or do you have to change your approach? No, I I don't think it's the same. I mean, everyone wants to read great books with the with the classroom situation, I have to sell the books that they have to read. With, in the book groups, I have to uh, sell the books that I want them to read. In other words, they don't have to do the books that I'm saying are wonderful, but I have to tell them in advance why I think it's wonderful without giving away too many of um, the salient details of the text. In, in the class, I'm a salesperson for the author of the original text, but it, it, it's, it's set up very differently in the book groups. Do you, do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in my book groups, I um, have a menu of books that I go through every month. So let's say I read five books in a month. That's a good month. I, I would say that I'm, I aim to do a book a week, but um, since I'm still teaching and, and doing some other things, I just, I can't. I, I don't sit down and read a book in a day. I know there are people who do that. But um, so I've read in the month of December, I've read uh, like four or five different books. And then in the January notes that I call them Goler docs that I send out to my groups in advance, they have a menu. I I have the description of the book, the book's title, author, description of the book, what I thought of it, and then what critics have thought of it. I'll have like a paragraph from the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, um, Entertainment Weekly sometimes. I mean, like uh, Publishers Weekly, I'll have all different types of reviews and they can go from there we'll talk about the book and then at the very end of the meeting after I've discussed all of those books we choose the next book that goes on the list sometimes we'll choose one sometimes we'll choose three I have one group that only wants to know one group uh, one month in advance what they're going to be reading and then other groups really like knowing three months in advance four months in advance if it's a group that wants me to schedule authors then we plan far out and I have I want to say I of the groups that I have, um, maybe four of them really love having authors Skype in or FaceTime in. So I start net, networking with authors to make that happen several months in advance. How did you first realize there's an opportunity to 
even lead book clubs because when i think of book clubs i usually think of just a few friends getting together mm -hmm. but this seems a lot more structured and especially it's, it sounds really cool to have someone who can help bring in the authors it seems like yeah. there's a lot of value added in having someone help facilitate the conversation yeah um so originally i was teaching at beverly hills high school i was probably 27 or 28 and tannis harris who was the assistant principal at the time she was also the principal of the adult school and she knew that i was this crazy voracious reader and I don't know, I mean, like, there's a lot of conversations that happen, happen at the cop copy machine. And she must have known that this is something that I might be interested in. But she said, you know, this, this Oprah Winfrey, she's doing these book groups. And I was thinking that that might be a cool thing to do for the high school, for the adult school. Would you be interested in, in leading it? And so I can still tell you what I was paid. It was $29 an hour. And um, I did this for one or two years through the high school. And it was just fun. I wasn't doing it for money. I didn't think that it was ever going to turn into anything. I wasn't looking for anything. But my name started to appear in the course catalog. And from there, I got um, phone calls from people who were looking for professional, professionally led groups. A lot of them had had book group experiences, which were negative, which fell apart, um, some, some had been th uh, with another facilitator and had experienced like a constant turnover of different leaders and they wanted more consistency, which is something that I offer. Um, but, but it was just word of mouth. I didn't really have a website until, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. Not that I remembered, but, um, it, I, I've done no advertising. I haven't actively tried to recruit more groups, but I do always try to have a manageable number of groups so that I can create a real community. It's it's definitely not just about the book. I, I love the books. I want to make sure that we talk about the books for an hour of our evening, but it's it's much more than talking about books. It's about creating a community of people that care about each other. And I, I think that that's that's why I get the kind of business that I get. How do you think you've been able to help foster that kind of community? Um, well, w one of the things that I do in my book groups is, um, that here's, here's the structure of a typical evening. Dinner is called for seven o'clock and I will either come to the dinner or come in late to the dinner. But initially I like them to have dinner on their own so that they establish a group identity. And then ultimately they generally invite me and I, I feel like a part of the group. So I want to be there at least for the tail end of the dinner. And then at 745, we begin talking about the book. So we might have, everybody might have a martini, everybody might be hovered over the cheese plate, but I'll ring the bell or I don't really ring a bell. I, um, I'll say, okay guys, you have two more minutes and they wrap up their discussions and then we start a much more focused discussion of the book. So I'll talk about the author, if it's um, a historical novel or um, something that deals with history, I'll talk about the historical period and then we just start talking about character, plot, setting. Um, what did this mean for you? What's the significance of this? And I might make cross-textual references, but I really only do that for an hour of the night. So it's from 7.45 to 8.45. And then the community building, which started with dinner, 
is picked up again at the tail end of the meeting when I start doing salon talk. So salon talk might be, and, and, and you might remember, I was single for a long time. And so I was still, I was still going to restaurants all the time. I still go to restaurants all the time. I was going to the theater. I was uh, going to pop up art experiences. I was traveling quite a bit. I think the year you were in my class, I went to India by myself. Do you remember that? I don't remember that, but I remember when you took a sabbatical to go to Russia. Was it Russia? Not no. exactly. No, no, I took a sabbatical just to take a sabbatical. Oh, oh I thought there was no, a... No, the year before I took the sabbatical, okay. I went to Russia. That was Got when it. I had the State Department Fellowship. Yeah. But um, no, I, I, I travel a lot. I still really... My husband and I don't have kids, so you know, travel is a major part of our lives. And, and I put all of that into what I call the Goler Doc. And um, there's notes on everything. So we'll start talking about theater, restaurants, um, great discounts. I have like Amazon products. I, a, a great place that I found to get a favor. It, it's random things that I'm interested in. And then that creates a forum where, where people will also give shout outs to a business that they want to include. I know this is crazy, but it is community building when you expose people in your group to things that you love and then they start doing it too. So I certainly learn from my readers as well. Um, they like this format. They, they like the 30 minutes at the end of the meal where it's not end of the meal, but the end of the book talk where it's just kind of fun. And here's what we found out that's cool about L.A. or cool about the world or, you know, whatever. It's been that that's the community part. Um, we've gotten to a point now we've people have had babies. We're into grandkids now for some people. We're also in a period where people are having illnesses. I have one member who um, has had a bout of cancer this year, and people showed up at her house to help her pack up when she had to move. It is partially about the book, but it's, I would say, to some extent, even more about the relationships that we build over the years. I have one group that I've been with for almost 20 years. I have another group that I'm close to that with. The, the I have one group that's starting in January, and then I almost have no more space until I retire from teaching. Like, I, I can't give up any more nights. So it's super fun. It's it's intellectually um, compelling. The work is uh, compelling, engaging with the books. And then there's this other part about networking with publicists and authors. So I will read something and be really excited about it in the first few chapters and reach out to the publicist or reach out directly to the author through my networks. And um, I usually get on things before everybody knows about them. So I, I have a sense at this point about what's going to hit big, like educated. I knew. I knew with the galley it was going to be a big deal. I knew that also with Pachinko, with Min Jin Lee. Um, I reach out to the people and they say if they're interested or if they're not interested. I get turned down plenty, but about 50% of the time they say yes. And um, they're also, the authors are interested in having access to my networks of readers who are, I would say, like, the largest industry that's represented among my clientele is entertainment industry. Who doesn't want people who have the power to option books in their orbit? So that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And did you, do you have these contacts early on or was this something that you kind of cultivated with a lot of time? Um, in the publishing I world? have 
always, as in the case you experienced as my student yeah. with Louis Zamperini, I've always been the type of person who naturally networked. I've always done that. And if there was someone that I wanted to get in touch with or meet or have contact with, I would make that happen. And I'm still still that way. So now I have, I have legit uh, contacts in the publishing world, and I... I use them to the best of my ability. So it, it, part of it's my personality and part of it is, um, is the work that I've done. I always thought that added so much to the experience, at least as a student, when we could hear Louis Zamperini come in after reading Unbroken. It yeah. gave it so much more meaning. And then, of yeah. course, when it inevitably became a movie, you could be like, oh, my God, I actually know the guy. Yeah. I yeah. saw the guy that it's based off yeah. of. It, has, uh, it sticks with me longer than other books yeah. where you don't get to meet the author. So... How many people are in these groups? Because I imagine you don't want it to be too sprawling. You want it to be somewhat intimate. I have I have one group that's really sprawling, yeah. and by sprawling I mean twenty people. Okay. But my my um, target number is I would say ten to fifteen people. Um, the ideal number I think is thirteen or fourteen. Um, I you want it big enough so that you have breadth and diversity of experience in the group and you want it small enough so that when we sit down at the dining room table most people can fit. If you have a group of 15, there will be at least 3 people who are out on a given night, so you're really looking at 12 people and I would say more 10 to 12. It and it depends what's going on in the year. I've I've changed the format of the groups. The new groups that I've taken in the last year, I no longer work over the summer. I take off in December and I take off uh, in April. So uh, they meet th consistently throughout the year, but we have deliberate times when we break. And um, that seems to be a model that's working well for that size group. And what kind of prep are you doing before you meet with these groups? Because as you mentioned, you got to think about plot, characters, themes, and you only have an hour. You said you try to keep it to about an hour. The, yeah, the yeah, book the, part. The book part. Yeah. So how do you prioritize what conversation topics you want to bring up in that hour? Um, I will generally reread the book the weekend before I'm doing it for the first time and prepare my questions then. I uh, will be interested in character, plot, and setting, and history. And then um, I, keeping that in mind, I'll design questions that spark discussion as opposed to I mean, you'll remember from English class, like not what questions, it's more how and why questions that yeah. really get deeper in the discussion. I don't want people to talk about themselves too much. And so my work in the group is to keep bringing back the discussion to the book. So, and, and I'll, I'll have taglines, they'll laugh at me sometimes but when I say, okay, I'm bringing it back to the book now. Or <laughs> let's bring this back to the book if we yeah. start to diverge. And, and that's really the craft of being the facilitator. But, um, okay, back to your questions about how I design questions. I design questions, I probably emphasize character more than anything. That's what I care about as a reader. Right. And that's what I care about when I'm watching a movie. Um, what are the things about these characters that really were heartbreaking or moving or funny or dynamic? What really touched me? And my questions will be around that. How can people in your groups or otherwise when they're reading be more thoughtful readers so they can come in with some with some topics already in mind? Um, I think it's to read with a post-it note, a small post-it note that you slap on the page uh, when you read something. And what what the question is always, what moved me? 
what moved me about this book. So I'm reading right now um, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Are you familiar with it? Is that the Anna Dempsey? No, what am I saying? Is that the one where like it's a scam? No, nothing like that at all. It's it's a memoir. I've really been into memoirs in the last couple of years. And I did not think I was going to like this book. I didn't want to read it. But it it appeared on a lot of the best of lists at the end of the year. She was the um, the young oh, woman who was yeah, sexually the Brock assaulted. Turner case. Exactly. Sorry, I'm confusing it with another. Yeah, yeah she yeah, was yeah. called no, Emily Doe during yeah, the case, yeah. and she took back her name by yeah. writing this book. And 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 the whole book is about the experience of being sexually assaulted and and what that did to her. So as I'm reading. Um, I'm thinking about what's moving about her experience because some would say that she wasn't really even raped. Um, you, you can't read this book and feel that way. She, she, this is going to be the memoir that defines sexual assault for a generation. I mean, really, her whole... I'm not through it yet, but this was so damaging to her, even though she was unconscious, even though she didn't remember that it happened. So damaging to her, she lost a couple years of her life. Um, so I guess to be more thoughtful readers, um, what's moving about this book to me? And then design my questions in a way that follows that question. What is moving about this book? So in the case of a book like Chanel Miller's, that's a very heavy conversation that can get pretty emotional, I imagine. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, so I don't know how it's going to work. And I don't know that any of my book groups are going to go for it. A similar book that I've pitched to my groups, and it is slated for some of my spring readings, um, is uh, She Said by Megan Toohey and... Why can I not remember the other one's name? Uh, Megan Toohey and... Oh gosh, we'll figure it we'll out figure it later. Out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 the story of breaking the Harvey Weinstein story. Yeah. And it's just unbelievable how the entertainment industry protected this horrible horrible man for 20, 30 years and what he did to so many women. I think it's going to be an amazing discussion that will lead itself. I it, what what's going to be hard for me in the discussions is keep to keep bringing them back to the book since so many people in my groups either know Weinstein or operated in the world where he operated. And they understood that there were certain contracts that existed before the story broke. But even if your book groups don't go for that kind of book, I'm sure to date you've talked about ones that got emotional with your groups. Oh, yeah. So how do you, how do you, I guess, politely do, do your maneuver of let's get back to... Let's get back to the book. When someone is sharing something really personal, maybe that moved them, that connects to their life. Um, I let them talk about it at first. I let them talk about it for sure. And then I, I'm not I'm not sure that I'm the most effective about... St- if, if somebody is in the group and is tearful because I formed a community in the group, this is a moment when, in general, the group will rally around her. And um, the, the, this... What I'm speaking of is if I have women-only group. I've had men in my group before, and I have one group that has men and women and older people and younger people. That's my most diverse group. But in general, um, because I lay the groundwork of forming a community, I let her talk. I would let her talk. I would let her share. And then I would probably gently bring it back to the book and say, how is... A's experience like our character. How, what does this make you think of? 
now that you have all these book groups, mm-hmm. how do you decide? You do, is it a democratic process? Like we all vote and it needs to be a majority vote? In terms of what book yeah, we decide? Yeah, generally, okay. I, I would say 90% of the time I read the room. And reading the room means um, everybody seems into this book. Every once in a while, there will be a woman who doesn't want to read what everybody else wants to read. And in that case, um, I'll say like that person could be very vocal about it. And um, what I'll do is a Google Form vote everybody votes yeah well it's not anonymous to me but it is anonymous to the group and everybody so this happened recently i really loved olive again by elizabeth strout and there was one woman who was very vocal about not wanting to read another elizabeth strout book it's it's another one of the books that's been called the best of the year so i said when she said that okay, um, what about the rest of you? How do you feel about it? And people said that they were interested in reading it. And I said, okay, well, let's do this. I'll do a Google vote. You guys can chime in. Let me know what you think. And then we can decide at the next meeting. And so that's where we are. So it is it is kind of democratic. If, if women are absolutely not interested in reading a book. So I'll give you an example. There's um, an, another one of my favorite books of the last 10 years is uh, a Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Did you read it? No. It's it's an incredible book about these um, men who are gay and friends at, um, and they have to rally around one of their friends who has had an incredibly traumatic childhood, and his behavior towards himself is is super destructive. So there was a woman in one of my groups who said, I can't do it. She has a gay son. It was too painful to her. She she didn't want to do it. But she also said, and I think to her credit, I, I won't read it, but I will be there and I'll hear the discussion, but I just can't read the book. And that's how we resolved it in that case. I, I thought she was very charitable. So if people are listening to this and would love to start building the sense of community among their friends and put a book club together, what are some tips you have for a group of friends or a group just trying to put together a successful book club? Oh, I love that. I, I, I think the first thing is to come up with a set of rules or agreements. Rules is maybe more my teacher side, but <laughs> a, a set of agreements. Like yeah. we agree that we will do our best to read the book. We agree that we will each take a turn hosting or co-hosting one time of the year. We agree that our uh, commitment to this group is to this group and not to the book. So if we don't love the book, we're still going to show up. And then I think it's really important when you're putting together a book group to consider the personalities that you have brought together. So when we add new people, we're looking for people with good energy, people who are generous of spirit, people who are not overly negative. Um, people who have a certain amount of joyfulness to the way that they they live. These are going to be people, like I said, most of my groups are way over 10 years now. So these are going to be people that you're going to be with for a long time. Um, Are there interviews? um, They're not really interviews. (laughs) I, I use a couple of different processes, but one of my processes is if you want to add someone to the group, you throw out their name to the whole group. And if anyone objects for whatever reason, I mean, so you throw out your name, her name to the group and, and what she is like. Uh, she works for this. She, um, she's involved in this charity. She contributes to her community in this way. And, um, I think she'd be great. She's, she's a physician. I always like having 
doctors in my group. I have very few, but it comes up actually fairly frequently issues that a doctor can speak to specifically or a therapist could speak to. And and also lawyers too. They they add a certain understanding for topics that come up frequently in book groups. So um, that person's name goes out to the whole group. If anyone has any objections, they can let me know directly. And then if if there's an objection, I can let the sponsor know at that time that it's not a great fit. And that's kind of the end of the story. No one's feelings are hurt. And are you guys usually meeting in the same place? or No, no, no not okay. at all. I set up the schedule uh, for the year so that everyone knows when they're hosting at any given time. Um, it's like snack mom. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, snack mom. Exactly. Some people like to host certain times yeah. of the year because they have a beautiful outdoor setting that they sure. like to use. Um, some people want to have nothing to do with this around the Jewish holidays because their lives are already so chaotic. Right. So, And then I have one woman who hosts every Christmas time because she has the Christmas tree and she has a train running around the, the living room. And for in that group, it's the only time that they get to be in a room with a Christmas tree. So it's it's very sweet that's awesome have you noticed any changes going back to your students for a moment Mm -hmm. have you have you noticed any changes in how they're consuming literature they're listening yeah yeah they're listening and they're youtubing ah interesting yeah so how does that change your methods of teaching it doesn't change my methods of teaching i i i actually i'm okay with them listening but i tell them that if they only listen they won't be able to get any of my questions that deal with language because that's what you really use in listening Mm. losing in listening so i would encourage the listening be a starting point if they need it or can use it or it aids them to get into the book but i'd still prefer them to read the book itself i'm sure a lot of parents right now are trying to figure out how can they get their children to read more. And you came from a household that read a lot. A lot. Right? Yeah. yeah. So how can, how did, one, how did you think your background and upbringing affected your love of literature? And how do you think parents can help foster that for their children? Um, you know what I love to do as a teacher? And I don't know if this is really going to a- answer your question, but I always ask my students, you might remember this, to tell me, two or three books that they've read in the past and they liked, and then two or three movies that they've read in the past that they like. So if they do Two or three movies? That, movies, yeah. Movies or books. Oh, I, okay, I can I do. It. Sorry, did I say movies twice? No, no, you said movies they've read. Um, you you <laughs> know what I watch. mean. Right, right, right. I don't know. Maybe you're making them no, read scripts. No, no, no. <laughs> Definitely not. I won't let them read scripts. Yeah. I won't let them read please, plays. Yeah. They've got to be novels okay. or memoirs in got my it. class. But if they tell me that, um, that they like... I don't know, a certain kind of science fiction fantasy, then I know that they might be really interested in The Handmaid's Tale. Or um, if they're uh, interested in A Handmaid's Tale, I know they might like The Power by Naomi Alderman. Um, I, I think that because I'm a reader, I'm able to guide kids towards the right book for that kid. This year in my regular senior class, I've got all these kids who are entrepreneurs. So I've been pushing books that have an entrepreneurial spirit. There's a memoir that I love from 20 years ago. It's not really a memoir exclusively. It's a memoir and a how-to called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? That was big back in the day. Back in the day. And it's discovering a new audience in my classes. Yeah. I I would throw out the suggestion Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. Yeah. He's the founder of Zappos. Yeah, that's a great yeah, book yeah. just in general. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's a good idea. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, of course. 
Well, that's fascinating. You become like a walking algorithm of Amazon. Like if you like this, you might also enjoy. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do. There, there are. Um, I'm, I'm really good with memoirs. Yeah. I'm good with historical fiction. Um, I'm good with family stories. I feel like I'm a little weaker on fantasy because I don't read it. I don't enjoy it. But I will send. Like if you're asking how a parent can get your kid involved, I think that conversations with librarians are really helpful. My kid loves the TV show Atypical, and then maybe the librarian would say, well, has he or she read A Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime? Or has he or she, I'm just thinking like what other books might deal with Asperger's or autism? There's a lot of them out there. Um, There is a new rising tradition for kids in reading right now of things that deal with gender. So one of my favorite books of the last year is This Is How It Always Is um, by Lori Frankel, which is about a family that has a trans child and what they're going to do with that information. So that, that's really a major change from when you were at Beverly and what Beverly is now. We have um, many trans kids and the gay and lesbian population is significantly more out than it was when you were there, I would say. I mean, I, I don't know what, you, what your experience was while you were there. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a major part of the experience. I think it's a major part of the experience. I think kids are talking about gender and sexuality in a whole new way. And the law requires that we meet them in their needs with that. So I think our librarians done a phenomenal job pulling texts that deal with those issues. I like that you're using movies and TV shows as reference points because I feel like that's... TVs are the new novel. Exactly. They absolutely are. They're satisfying. Um, I'm sure that we share Breaking Bad. Right. I never stopped. <gasps> I haven't seen a single. I oh, know. I've seen the first episode when I was in college. Oh, I by the one. next time I yeah, see you, I, gotta, I hope I that it. It, it feels like a novel. Yeah. Did you see The Sopranos? No. That also. Ha- I yeah. mean, the, the serialization of television is yeah. very much the way the 19th century novel was written. Right. Yeah. You would get. Um, you wouldn't get the whole novel in a package. You'd get the, the first part in a right. magazine, and then the second part, and then it That's how Dickens six or six. made his money. He That's, was writing. Chapter. All of yeah. them did. Yeah. All of them did. And then the the cliffhangers at the end of each season is like the cliffhanger at the end of the magazine. Yeah. Right? It's crazy how the content hasn't necessarily changed, but how it's structured and consumed yeah. has over the past 200, 300 years. Yeah. So I always like to end with some fun, lighter questions. Okay. Um, so what is something that you can't travel without? My Kindle, my iPad. And I need to start leaving my um, computer at home because I end up not touching it at all when I travel. But those things, Um, my eye mask, because I don't like any light in the room. And uh, what was the word for someone who doesn't like the sun? Heliophobe. Heliophobe. Did I say that? that I I am a heliophobe. heliophobe. That's right. I always have one or two hats with me. You'll never catch me outside without a hat. I I feel like I've run into you at the farmer's market wearing the largest brim hat. Yeah, that's me. And a big, big show of sunglasses. Yeah. 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 And what is the last gift that you've given someone? The heart monitor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> For the Peloton. Yeah. That's right. I got Paul a heart, heart monitor that syncs with our Peloton. Amazing. And he got me the same gift without knowing it. It was uh, kind incredible. of gift of the Magi. Yeah. Kismet. Yeah. Yeah. Married the right guy, I guess. Yeah. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Mm, patience. Yeah. Yeah. Am I one. the only one who said that? Yeah, but that's great. Yeah, patience <laughs> for sure. Um, calm. Yeah. 
I guess they're kind of the same things. Yeah. Easier said than done, but attainable. We'll see. We'll see how my meditation class goes this year. Are you? Oh, you're taking classes. It's the second year in a row. Yeah. Paul Paul and I, with another teacher from Beverly, uh, we host a meditation class. And so we brought in teachers from the Mark at UCLA. And this year we're bringing in a teacher from USC. So it's six weeks starting on January 23rd. It's, um, we have 15 people this year. Last year we had 19 and I capped it this year at 15. And it's just, it's an amazing, I mean, you know, you're a meditator as well. It was an amazing way to ground myself. I like that you've got in both UCLA and USC. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about the the USC teacher. She's also a yoga teacher. So she teaches meditation and mindfulness. You you know about the Mark program at UCLA, right? Mindfulness and, uh, I'll send you the information. We'll we'll include it in the show notes. Yes. Yes. Thank you. What is an app on your phone, not including phone or messages, that you can't live without? Oh, I'm gonna. Can I give you a couple? Yeah, sure. Okay, so one one app is the Mind Body app. Um, actually, I'm gonna give you three: the Mind okay. Body app, so that I can schedule my Pilates and my yoga classes and never have to sign in for a class. Yeah. I always do that in advance. They have a ton of different classes on they Mind do. Body. When, they do. I remember there was one day where Mind Body system was down, and all the studios in LA crashed. crashed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we need it. Yeah. And then with MindBody, I would add the Calm app for meditation, mm-hmm. which I've been using quite a bit, more on my iPad than on my phone. And then the last one is um, is kind of special. It's called the, the Monkharsh FODMAP app. And FODMAP is a way of eating if you have um, an autoimmune disease. And I think you know that I have Crohn's. Oh, I didn't so, know that. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, wow. I, so... It, it's I can look up a food and yeah. know if it's going to affect me. Like if I don't know, I I know oh, that wow. garlic and onions and Brussels sprouts and avocados, all of these things are going to aggravate me. Um, so if we're if we're out to dinner, I can look up something and know if I should stay away from it or not. Wow, that's an incredible resource. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And lastly, we always ask, "What's your jam?" As in song, because we're going to create a Spotify playlist that is our guest recommendations. Oh, I'm the worst. Just any song, the, any song that's fun that anything you're, that by you're enjoying. Anything Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I mean, I'm old school. I'm really yeah. old school. Yeah. Is there We've, one in particular that really resonated with you? Um, no. Can I give you another one? Yes, Cat sure. Stevens. Okay. Father and Son I love. Okay. I mean, like, I'm really old school. Old school is great. Yeah. Oldies but goodies. Yeah. Jason Mraz was yeah. our wedding. Uh, we our recessional when we walked out uh was one of his songs and of course i can't remember the, remember the name of I'm it right yours? now yes yeah. yes yeah. and i had to really lobby for that because <laughs> it paul just it pained him to hear it yeah yeah but, but he, you won <laughs> i it's saying i said you you know i'm gonna win on this eventually yeah. just let me have my song and yeah. he gave in yeah that's awesome that's so sweet yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank where can you. where can people who are interested in learning more about your book groups and you follow you? You can find me at juliesbookgroups.com. No apostrophe for Julie's. Juliesbookgroups.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at Julie's Book Groups. And everything that I read along with my recommendations get, gets posted to the Facebook site. I'm, I'm a little bit behind on my personal website, but the Facebook site I use all the time. And I'd, I'd like to get better about using Instagram and other portals and you also in the facebook post a little description of why it moved you right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly so, yeah. it's exactly. not just a recommendation no it's not it's a little not context recommendation. yeah 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 awesome awesome and if you'd like to follow the podcast you can do that at hdydpod 
Thank you so much, Julie. I've Thank learned so you. much about Thank you so much. books, reading, putting together a book group. It's been yeah. incredible. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank yeah. you.